G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 21 Preview Edition. And as ever, we are here proudly for our podcast partners, Palmerbet, uh, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. As I say, very good morning to my co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw. How are you, Shorey? Good morning, Rowan, and uh, round 21 is upon us. And, um, wow, some serious ramifications that are building over this weekend. Well, three games to go, and uh, I, I reckon, you know, look, my, most countdowns to finals, there's an air of excitement about who can make it and who'll miss out. I don't remember one, though, with this many uh, contenders for, or well, A, top four, B, a spot in the eight, and also the difficulty of the assignments for most of those contenders. I mean, uh, whoever ends up finishing up near the top and indeed finishing in the eight is going to have earned it, aren't they? They're not, we're not going to get any Stephen Bradbury's, I think, falling into the finals because those who are going to make it are going to have come through some pretty searching tests over the next three weeks. I, I agree entirely. And, um, gee, when I was a young coach, I... Um... I was coaching Essendon Reserves, I think, in my early 30s or even late 20s, and Ray Jordan was coaching the under-19s, the great slug Jordan. And I was really worried because we'd done it really hard to get to the finals. He said, don't worry about that. That'll hold you in good stead if you've got no injuries. So it's it from coming from such a wise uh, coach as uh, Ray Jordan some 30 years ago, it's very interesting. I, I don't think we'll have a, a scenario, Rowan. I think the finals games are going to be... Uh, incredibly close and exciting. I don't think we have any a, a, a scenario like um, well, like Essendon last year did a good job to get in the finals and and went up another level. Met met the Western Bulldogs and kicked four goals. I, I don't see that happening this year. I think um, these positions will be earned and the and the uh, teams will be in really good form. Well, fingers crossed. Uh, it's been a good season. Deserves a good finale. And uh, nine games this week will get us a bit closer to that mark. We are here to preview them all. Uh, we're also here to talk news. And, uh, wow, there's some uh, pretty consequential news around involving a couple of veterans and, uh, well, uh, several, uh, one legend of the game and some fairly explosive allegations. So let's not uh, muck around anymore. Let's get straight to the chase. On Footyology, Newsfeed. Well, only one place to start this news segment, and that is with some pretty explosive claims by uh, legend of the game, Nettie Betts. He has uh, just released a new autobiography, The Boy from Boomerang Crescent. Uh, which indeed is released today. That's Wednesday as we record this. 
Um, and uh, one newspaper has run a considerably size, not an extract, uh, an edited extract from the book, uh, but it concerns the infamous Adelaide Football Club pre-season camp, and not just the camp, their work with the Crows during the 2017 season and then an infamous uh, pre-season camp early in 2018 on the Gold Coast. Now, this has been, well, as you can tell from the time frame, this has been going on for a long time. But, Eddie, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying the first player to put his name to this stuff and to go into pretty vivid and graphic detail about the extent of what happened. Um, the extract I'm talking about is in The Age, if you want to read it, but uh, it is really horrendous stuff, uh, Robert. And before I get your take on all this, I'll just uh, give a few details. So Eddie Betts writes that confidential information he'd given uh, to the facilitators of this camp, this organisation, in a private counselling session had been misused. Uh, the camp co-opted sensitive Aboriginal cultural rituals. Um, there's detail about work they did during the 2017 season. People might remember their, um, well, ended up being lampooned, the power stance that they adopted whilst lining up before the start of the 2017 uh, finals games. Uh, but there's an interesting bit there. He talks about the Crows losing successive games during that season. Says He says the training group reviewed game videos and claimed that at fault was the way the players had run through the banner. The playing group was made to practice their facial expressions. Uh, another mind training technique he found concerning was intended to emphasise the players' masculinity. The exercise involved the players forming a circle, making eye contact with one another and screaming obscenities at each other. Now, uh, the stuff about the Gold Coast camp, uh, according to Eddie Betts, he alleges players were blindfolded, loaded onto a bus with papered over windows and conveyed to an undisclosed location as the Richmond team song, remember Richmond were the side that thrashed them in that grand final, played on a loop loudly through the sound system. When the squad arrived at the secret destination, team members were instructed to remove their blindfolds the first thing they saw was a dozen or so burly men, all dressed in black, greeting them with the power stance. Uh, he talks about the players not being allowed to shower. We had to stay sweaty and smell manly, he says. We also had to keep what they described as noble silence. Um, Eddie oh, Betts geez. recalls being put into a body harness with a rope attached and told to try and fight his way towards a knife to cut himself free while teammates holding the rope physically obstructed him. The initiation also involved camp instructors hurling verbal abuse at him. Um, things that were yelled at me that I disclosed to the camp's counsellors about my upbringing, Eddie says. All the people present heard these things. I was exhausted, drained and distressed about the details being shared. Another camp dude jumped on my back and started to berate me about my mother, something so deeply personal that I was absolutely shattered to hear it come out of his mouth. Now, the part that I find the most shocking here, Robert, is that 
uh, they came back from the camp and Eddie uh, really struggled with all this stuff, spoke to his wife about it and then decided to confront the club. He spoke to the other Indigenous players at the club. I sought permission to remove all the Aboriginal boys from any further interactions with the leadership specialists and their mind training exercises. I told the club I wouldn't be involved in any more mind training exercises at all, Eddie says. Three weeks later, he says he was dropped from the squad's leadership group. The decision devastated him. And the punchline here, Robert, is that the AFL's integrity unit investigated this camp in 2018 and found that Adelaide would not face sanctions after concluding it had not breached industry rules. And Safe Work South Australia also conducted an inquiry and found no evidence of any breach of the Work Health and Safety Act. Now, I read that and I just go, what world are we living in? Because that's some of the most horrible allegations I think I've ever read about a workplace. Well, you're right. And um, the claims by Eddie um, uh, are, are really distressing. I think I'm over... Um, I'd say I'm reasonably experienced on these camps, Rowan, having been on uh, every different sort of camp from the mid-70s when I was a 17-year-old and actually had to go through uh, the humiliation of a of a crawling around the Windy Hill Oval. Um, that was under Des Tudman. Uh, under Des, yeah, yeah, which we thought was uh, – fine and reasonable given the day before Carlton had kicked uh, 14 goals in a quarter. So we were asked to express or toughen up our manliness. I hated the phrases that you uh, that you came through, uh, ran through the banner. So they ran through the banner in a non-manly fashion. This is rubbish, Rowan. Yeah. Right? Uh, to show their masculinity, uh, not to shower. Um facial expressions, um, where is this coming from? Where, what, what educated people, if these claims are absolutely correct and there's no reason to doubt uh, Eddie Betts in my opinion, these are extraordinary claims. Uh, you wouldn't get away with this or you wouldn't do this in the 70s. Like I've been on camps, I've climbed Mount, Mount Buller with 20 kilo packs on my back, exhausting, Um um, and then down the other side and up Mount Sterling. I've run sand hills at Margaret River. Um, I've gone on on bus trips and I've been dropped in the middle of the northeast Tasmania and told to find your way home. I never thought I would be I was humiliated. I never thought I thought it was tough. I've put my players through um, some extraordinary tests of um, mental toughness, all based on morale, fitness and a bonding and a mental toughness issue. These camps probably went for one or two days because uh, generally in my era, it was in the the era of semi-professional moving to full-time professional. But I was sitting here, I've skim-read it, and I was sitting here listening to you describe the words centred around masculinity and what I find incomprehensible are the claims that these players had a confidential and private interview which is fine that's great let's get to know the person Eddie Betts um, Rory Sloan it doesn't matter let's get to know them 
But if those claims are correct, that that confidential and private information was then used to expose the player to humiliation, embarrassment, or to try to bring out the toughness and the masculinity, can we just call this absolute bullshit? Yeah. I've never seen anything. This is 2017, 18. We've done some extraordinary things in the 70s and 80s down at Mount Cerebus and, oh, my goodness, it was hard. But I've never thought or heard a fitness bloke, a consultancy group come in and humiliate me as an Essendon player, as a person that was uh, as it worked at Adelaide, that's worked in Fremantle and worked at uh, Fitzroy, by some of the some of the camps out the back of Rawson in the hills uh, in the Gippsland Valley with Fitzroy were were just pure and simple tough. But I tell you what, at the end of the night, you build a campfire, you put your logs around, right? The the the, the staff brought out the cans and the slabs, and you sat round and you had good drink and you had a good chat. And that was probably the best camp I've ever been on. But the the massive difference there, obviously, is that you're talking about bonding people through sharing hard work and supporting each other. Correct. This, to me, seems to be the absolute antithesis of that, which is about humiliating and embarrassing people and sort of shaming them, and it's about fear and and, you know, it's just, it, it is, it is something that, like you say, I mean, it would have raised eyebrows of the 1970s and on what, I just cannot believe that in this day and age, and particularly the way younger or, you know, guys of AFL footballing age now, I mean, it's, it, time's moved on, we've grown up. How can this in any universe still be considered an effective means of, of motivation and the proof of the pudding surely is that they went from this outstanding season and and grand final favourite and probably the best team of that year over the course of the year to missing out on finals uh, ever since the the playing group falling apart, the coach having left a couple of seasons later, most of the people involved in that no longer being there, few players left on the list. I mean, there's a fair argument that these experiences actually helped destroy that side and that club. It created a cultural uh, instability, Rowan, and not a cultural stability. We grow from this. We hear the stories of Ray McLean and leading teams. Now, that's worked at some clubs. At Mm. our club, it didn't work. At Sydney, it worked. At Geelong, it worked. But when it did work, there is a sustained culture being built. These claims and allegations, um, uh, uh, but you've got evidence there, Ron. Did you say they haven't made the final since then? Well, they haven't. This, yeah, it's that 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 is a key piece of uh, evidence right there, there and then. But this was signed off on, Rowan. This was signed on by people above uh, whatever group it was, above the players. This was signed up by management. It may have even got to board directors that signed off. I, I know, I know from my limited experience, um, well, not limited experience actually. You had to present something, the camp you were going on, the goals you were going to get, how you were going to go about it. Even, even you know, even well, I was working during the two the two thousands. So my experiences over four decades 
even in the 70s and 80s, you had to sign off on something right. You had to give permission for this consultancy group, a consultancy group, to come in and take your players away. Mm. You know, anyway. Yeah, well. Oh, I, I, it's, um, that's not masculinity, Rowan. Facial expressions. You know, no wonder Richmond looked across at them and laughed at them. Yeah, <laughs> it's, hey? it's absolute, it's absolute rubbish. And uh, well, well, it'll be certainly interesting to see okay. if the ramifications uh, continue now. And this is more than uh, well, it's coming up to five years since that grand final, um, and uh, probably proof enough that um, where do you where do you sit on the people that have already come out? Some in high places at the Adelaide Football Club. Uh, saying, oh, isn't it time to move on? Well, if we're talking about Mark Rusciuto, who's still a director of the Crows, I, I think that's, no, it's a horrendously bad take on it. And, um, you know, perhaps not for the first time. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, someone has to have a word to row about uh, respecting not just cultural sensitivities, but uh, dragging some attitudes back into the uh, 21st century. All right, we'll leave that one there. A couple of other big stories uh, via a couple of massive retirements of, well, two legends, I guess, of uh, Western Australian football, recent Western Australian football, and that is the announcement of the retirement of both uh, Frio, uh, stalwart David Mundy, and West Coast goal-kicking machine, Josh Kennedy. Now, just a, a quick, I'll get your take on both those guys, but uh, David Mundy just turned 37, made his debut <laughs> in round six of the 2005 season. 371 games is the Fremantle Games record holder ahead of Matthew Pavlich. He's currently 10th in the all-time games played list. Uh, we'll move into outright ninth out of Adam Goods by the end of this season, and that's when he will give it away. Um, he has played in a 200-game milestone match of all 10 Fremantle players to reach that mark. That'll become 11 when Michael Walters reaches 200 in the final round of the season. And of the 236 players to have played for Fremantle, Mundy has played alongside 147 of them. And here's a good one. Uh, he has travelled more than 900,000 kilometres in his career to be the most travelled player in AFL, VFL oh. history. How do you see David Mundy? And uh, I should point out here that, of course, you have worked with David Mundy at Fremantle. Yeah, I went across uh, at the end of the 05 season when I finished up at Essendon and uh, went to Fremantle for six, seven, eight before returning home. Uh, that was his second year. Uh, as a player, he started as a third tall in defence. Um, he then moved to a wing rowan, and Chris Connolly used him outstanding way where it, they do it now. The wing rolls back to a half-back flank and becomes the seventh defender. He was outstanding at that. So even at such a young age, he, he knew tactics. He was balanced. He hasn't changed very much at all. He was unassuming, quiet, polite, respectful, strong, um, mentally tough. It's exactly what you want in your football team. Um, tall, strong, physical, 
and uh, the capacity to play over his career in defence, wing, midfield, and he has got a very, very good goal sense, as we've seen a number of times where he's won games. It's just cool, calm and collected. We've seen him kick those goals after the siren. He's been a wonderful ambassador, uh, came from Seymour, um, a wonderful, uh, just north of Melbourne here, a wonderful ambassador for Fremantle, um, just an outstanding character and a really, really good footballer, Ron. Absolutely. No, well said. And I think the thing that strikes me about both these guys is how good uh, role mo- how good a role model they've both been for their teammates, you know, not just quality players, but quality people. And I guess one goes hand in hand uh, with the other in terms of longevity. You can't survive that long if you're not a quality person. Now, let's talk about Josh Kennedy, uh, 34, turns 35 at the end of this month. Uh, He's had 17 seasons uh, for the Eagles at senior level. Uh, He is their leading goal kicker of all time. He's kicked 704 for them, 715 all up when you throw in um, the couple of seasons he spent at Carlton. He's 24th on the all-time goal kickers list with that 715 goals accumulated over 292 games. That's an average of nearly two and a half per game. But he will move up two rungs uh, on that goal-kicking list um, if he can kick four on Sunday, he will pass both Tom Hawkins and Nick Rewalt on that list. Uh, he's a three-time All-Australian, dual Coleman medalist, premiership player in 2018, fourth on the club's games played list, and uh, will move ahead of Darren Glass in his last appearance, which is, in fact, this week. This will be his last game against the Crows. He's drafted pick number four by Carlton, in 2005, uh, was reluctant to be part of that famous trade with Chris Judd at the end of 2007. Uh, But in the 15 years since, many consider that trade a win for the Eagles, despite how good Chris Judd was for the Blues. Uh, The Eagles, of course, in that trade also secured the pick that uh, gave them Chris Maston, who became a premiership player alongside Josh Kennedy. And of course, we're talking about that 2018 Premiership, and what a great grand final that was. Kennedy, critical part of that victory. He was West Coast's only multiple goal kicker in that game with three. He had 18 disposals and took 11 marks in that uh, grand final, which the Eagles won over Collingwood in thrilling style. How do you assess Josh Kennedy's career, Robert? Well, not as close as obviously what I was with David Mundy, but... um... Your opening sentence is true. Uh, character above everything else. Uh, role models for not only their own players. Um, different type of player. One the big key forward. One the mobile, versatile midfielder. Um, you know, uh, and and Kennedy's got one thing that David Mundy would give 150 games back. Of course, David Mundy went very close a preliminary final. Uh, went in great form in 2006, uh, lost the grand, grand final, final, yeah. final under, under Ross. Um, so he's been very, very close. But I suppose, um, yeah, look, the, the Maston-Kennedy deal, oh, I, I think I'm with you. I think, it, oh, look, there's no such thing. They both gave great value, but uh, it's been a damn good trade for the West Coast, particularly in that grand final. And that that he has influenced that incredibly. 
Yeah, look, I, I think uh, I'm sort of with a lot of people on that saying it's a, a win-win. It doesn't have to be a winner and no, loser. And no, I don't like that. No. Carlton, Carlton certainly did well out of Chris Judd. And, uh, well, who's to say Josh Kennedy would have reached the same heights if he'd stayed at Carlton for a number of reasons, uh, number least, which was he was away from home um, and obviously not a successful uh, a team environment as he had around him at the Eagles. But anyway, it's uh, not often two guys that storied in the game retire uh, within a day of each other, both from the same state, of course. So, uh, uh, well, sad times to WA football, but also time to reflect on two great careers. And we're lucky to have watched both of them play. So uh, hearty congratulations to both David Mundy and Josh Kennedy on wonderful AFL careers. All right, that's enough for the news segment. We have got nine big games to get into. Let's do it. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Well, terrific game to kick off round 21. It is uh, the old rivals of the 50s, Melbourne and Collingwood at the MCG, 7.50 Friday night. Palmerbet, where you get tackle busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Their odds on this one, the head-to-head betting, has Melbourne a comfortable favourite. The Demons paying $1.41. Collingwood paying $2.93. The Demons back in town, I reckon. They're second on the ladder, 14 and 5. They've won four of their last six now. Collingwood, they are flying. Third on the ladder, 14 and 5 also, and having won 10 games in a row, which these days is pretty phenomenal. And, of course, that incredible record in the tight ones. They've been involved in 10 games this season, decided by 11 points or less, and won nine of them. Now, here's an interesting fact. Their record against the Demons of late is pretty damn good. In fact, they have won six of their last seven meetings with the Demons, including, of course, earlier this season, the Queen's birthday game, the Big Freeze. And that resulted in a really good win to the Pies for the big last quarter. They won that game by 26 points. Some uh, important injury news and personnel stuff, Robert. But what's your initial take on this game? Well, as brave as they've been, and they've been excellent to get to third position, 17 to third. Um, the ladder doesn't lie. I've always said that. But it comes to an end in the short term this week. Uh, there's no doubt about that in my mind. Just a few concerns. Obviously, Adams will be out of that midfield. Uh, Howe's a bit sore in a, a cork backside. My check should get to the get to the line. Um, whereas on the other side of things, I think that uh, uh, Melbourne have got a pretty good decision to make. Do they they really rate James Harms? Uh, Jaden Hunt was excellent last week. Him going back to the back line allowed uh, Brayshaw to go into the midfield, and that added another layer. And I think this game's going to be about layers. We speak about Petrarca and Oliver, but underneath that, you have the outstanding wingman in Langdon, who I think side bottom should go to with his experience. You have Viney, who's in career best form, um, and you've also added Brayshaw into that midfield. So I think Melbourne will be on top in the midfield, and uh, this run, this brilliant run by Collingwood, will will come to an end this weekend. Well, the selection is really critical for both sides in this one, isn't it? Because Adams, you know, I, I think against a midfield as good as Melbourne's, Collingwood need all hands on deck in that part of the ground. 
So that is a massive loss for them and I think can't be overstated. Uh, Jeremy Howe, a real general in their defence likewise. Um, and Brady Majek, you know, not a, a huge name up forward, but he's very reliable for them and a bit of a barometer for them too, I reckon. So, you know, fingers crossed on his test. But ditto Melbourne. Um, you know, I think Melbourne's forward setup always ticks over better and looks more potent when Ben Brown is A, in the side, but B, in form. Now, uh, is he going to come straight back into that side and immediately hit form? His history doesn't suggest that would necessarily happen. So goals could still be a bit of a struggle. But James Harms as well, I think really underrated in terms of what he offers the Demons as well. So not um, personnel-wise, not all smooth sailing for Melbourne either. I agree with you, though. I, I, I think that was a such a good defensive performance against Fremantle. Um, I think now, over the next three weeks, before hitting the finals, the job will be to crank up that scoring potency, and that's where Brown becomes really central to it. I think Collingwood's had a wonderful season. I don't, I don't buy this thing about, oh, you know, they've been lucky. I mean, they're third on the ladder. Neither do I. They've learned to win the close ones, and, you know, proof of that, They've won nine out of 10 by under 11 points. Last year, they were involved in six games decided by 12 points or less and lost five of them. That isn't just coincidence, those numbers, one the change from one season to another. They've been a really good side, but I, I think Melbourne is about to start cranking up in the same manner it did last year. I reckon they're going to win this one. Not comfortably. I think Collingwood will keep them really honest. I can see Melbourne just sort of breaking a bit of a deadlock in that final quarter, though, with uh, superb fitness. And that has been a hallmark of their terrific uh, form over the last year and a half. I think that's often overlooked as well, but they are supremely fit side that runs out games very well. I think Melbourne's going to win this one by uh, eh, two and a half goals. I'm going for Melbourne, Robert, by 16 points. What do you reckon? Just very quickly, we will know who their preferred full forward is heading into the finals with three weeks to go. Do they get games into Brown or do they keep persevering with Wiedemann? That's going to be telling its selection. Yeah. Um, I'm with you uh, for the reasons we've spoken about. I think they might push it out a bit, a little bit more than that, Ron. Yeah. I think Melbourne by 31 points for me. Okay, confident in your margin. All right, we're both going for the demons there. Uh, that's a massive Friday night game. Let's talk about Saturday. Saturday afternoon kicks off down in Tassie, your old stamping ground, Robert, in uh, Launceston, not Hobart, uh, at Utah Stadium, 1.45pm. We have Hawthorne taking on Gold Coast. Palmer Bet, what do they say? Well, we tell you that you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season thanks to Palmer Bet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, close, the head-to-head betting for this game. But Hawthorne, as the nominal home team, is the favourite, uh, offering $1.80 head-to-head. Gold Coast is paying $2. Well, the Hawks, 13th on the ladder, 7-12. Had one three in a row, but uh, fairly disappointing loss last week to St Kilda. Gold Coast uh, been hanging in there in terms of finals contention, and they continue to hang in there, although the odds very much against it. Two games out with only three remaining. They've gone 2-4 over their last six games. Some narrow losses in there, though. 
They are 4-3 against Hawthorne Gold Coast since 2017. Uh, Their record at this venue, though, is pretty damn ordinary. In fact, they haven't won there and they've lost five games at Launceston. Haven't played there for four years, though, the last appearance at the ground in 2018. What do you reckon about this one, Rob? Well, I think both both clubs are starting to feel the pinch. They're uh, they're youngish sides. Um, I, look, we've been big on the hawk. I've been big on the Hawks, and of course, you can't underestimate the uh, the significant improvement of the Suns. Extremely disappointing in the Hawks last week. I was uh, bullish about their prospects about beating St Kilda on the fast track, and now they lose thirty seven goals out of Mitch Lewis. And also their most exciting and creative um, halfback flanker in Changoth Giath, who is out suspended. Uh, add that to the likes of Reeves, Shoulder, Wingard, Hamstring, Warple, um, Frost, Bramble. There's a few holes starting to shine a show on the list of Hawthorne. On the other side of the, uh, the, the equation, the Suns probably will look at Ellis. They'll get him back. Maybe Davies, Fiorini, Flanders, those sort of players that have been round the mix. So on face value, it looks like the Gold Coast have got a little bit of depth to come into their side, given that Ballard, Badaric, Jeffries, King, Powell and Weller are out, Rowan. So it's a bit of a couple of patched up sides here. So I'll be very interested to see how they go. Yeah, look, I'm I'm usually loath to tip against the Hawks in Tassie because their record there is so good, but... Um, yeah, look, aside where they're at in their development, can't afford to be without the sort of players they're without. And they're key players, aren't they? So Mitch Lewis, you know, he's been a major goal kicker for them. Uh, Kaczynski, chance to be available. But uh, yeah. what if he doesn't play? You know, Jath, uh, crucial to them in defence. He's not there. Don't forget, you've already got the likes of Warple and Wingard out as well, so they lose experience there. Um, you know, this is a pretty young lineup, and they've lost even more. And Reeves, I think, has been good for them too, and and now he's out. So, um, I, yeah, yeah I, go on, go on. I, I, well, I think yeah, related to that is the midfield battle with the Ruckman. Obviously, Mac McAvoy's going to have to uh, uh, shoulder the responsibility now, as they were very keen to go with the duel, but. Uh, the, the player of the year, according to the AFL Coaches Association votes, Tuke Miller, he's going to raise some concerns. And I think given the inexperience that you've alluded to, I think he's been in and out, he's been managed, he's been rotated. Um, the evergreen veteran, Liam Shields, should come in into a permanent midfield role to take a little bit of pressure off the likes of Newcomb and O'Meara uh, Mitchell to do a job on... Uh, to do a job on Miller. Essendon did it very well when the last time the Gold Coast Suns travelled to Marvel. This time they're going down there. I'd like to see a tag put on them because I think Miller, together with the combination of Scholl and Casbolt up forward, does raise serious issues for the Hawthorne Football Club. Yeah, I'm. I'm look, they're just missing too many key personnel for me. And so, uh, like I said, I don't often do this, but I am going for Gold Coast. Weren't great last week either, incidentally. I mean, they just got over the line against West Coast, but uh, their form line is reasonably solid across the last six weeks. I reckon they might just get over the line in this one and win one of the, a, a second close one in a row. I'm going to go for 
Gold Coast by six points in this. Uh, Hawthorne by 11 points for me at home. Uh, Different from you. This might be a good time uh, to say, by the way, that last week we went for, I think, four different and I got them all. So uh, my my lead over you the season tipping, I think it's up to about 13 now, but uh, never mind. Hang in there. Does that mean a boring conservatism pays off? Uh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Across a six-month journey, yeah, I think it does. Okay, uh, that, right. All right, that is the first game on Saturday. Uh, let's talk about one up in Sydney about half an hour later. GWS taking on Essendon at Giants Stadium, 2.10 Saturday afternoon. Palmer bet where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Have the Bombers... Uh, warmish favourite, despite the away status. Essendon, $1.68 head-to-head. You can get on them. Uh, that is of as of Wednesday morning. GWS paying $2.20 head-to-head. Well, it's been a really dismal season for the Giants. They're 16th on the ladder, five wins for the season, lost 14, and they've lost six of their last seven games now. Hasn't been a great year for the Bombers either, let's be honest. They're 14th, having won seven and lost 12. But they have rallied in the second half of the year. They've now won five of their last seven games and indeed the two losses by just 10 points and four points. Uh, Their record against GWS, uh, they've won six of the last seven uh, sorry, that's not right. They have won six and lost seven. They've lost their last three games to the Giants by 13 points, two points, and four points. And their record at Giants Stadium isn't great either. They've lost four of the last five there. But, Robert, uh, your mate Spike McVeigh and Dean Solomon and James Hurd, the, the magic, if there was any, is well and truly worn off because <coughs> they have been horrible and absolutely dismal last week against the Swans. Pretty hard to argue a case for them in this game, I would have thought. Well, not much separating them on the on the ladder on face value, but certainly in the mindset and attitude. When you've got players texting the coach to apologise, uh, when players are um, going out to dinner to sort out what's going on, uh, you would expect a response from GWS. But they've gone from a side that... Uh, um, I thought had a reasonable amount of trust from me to seemingly conceding a season, which has led to some some fair, harsh, and some somewhat controversial comments from the coach Mark McVeigh, who has um, directly or indirectly accused the mindset of checking out. It was read as he was accusing individual players. That's not correct if you read it in context. Uh, the club, uh, the body of the club of, of, of checking out and not playing out the season. Quickly on the other side of it, you've got Essendon that all of a sudden, and this is the story of Essendon, um, when the pressure comes off, they seem to respond Um the pressure was on early in the year. Now it's off. They can't make the finals. Uh, they've made some good moves. They've used Corwell as a run with player. They've used Kelly on the right player. They're playing a defensive forward. All of a sudden, they're putting work into the opposition. It's paying off. But two different sides of the mindset. One's one's playing well. One's a little bit hungry. One's got purpose. And I'm not sure where GWS is, Ron. So you've got to give me something there. 
I wonder, I don't know why what Mark McVeigh said is deemed controversial, to be honest. I mean, oh, that case... was my word because no, no, it made, but, but it no, made I've... headlines, didn't yeah, it? No, I've seen people say it was it was controversial. I mean, is a coach not allowed to say, gee, you know, the players were pretty ordinary? They're the ones performing. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah, he, he can't go out and kick it for them, you know? So I didn't think it was that controversial. Uh, yeah, look, my big reservation about Essendon is, as you say, it's uh, all the good works happened when there were no stakes comparatively to play for. And it's disappointing. I didn't think they were overly flash against North Melbourne last week. I just thought North Melbourne were terrible and Essendon mm. sort of just did enough, didn't they? It was, um, yeah, well, it was a pretty uninspiring sort of win really. Um, personnel wise, well, Darcy Parrish, chance to come back after missing the last four games that had uh, bolster the midfield. Uh, Dylan Shield, I think uh, he's probably just about done, isn't he, with a hamstring injury? Three games left. Uh, we'll see if he comes back, but uh, he won't be there this week, you wouldn't think. Caldwell's uh, calf run, how's that? Yeah, to yeah. be confirmed, but you know, you would okay. you'd be more surprised if he played than if he didn't. They do get Andy McGrath back, of course, too, after being a uh, COVID casualty last week. So McGrath and Parrish in uh, is pretty handy um, against GWS. Yeah, look, GWS, you just you can't possibly tip a side that played as poorly as they did last week. I think Essendon gets the job done when, in this game and uh, makes it, what would that be, six wins from the last eight, enough to fire up the marketing department, uh, get everyone talking expectantly about next season before they inevitably disappoint again in the first half of 2023, Robert, not uh, that I'm cynical or anything. No, no. Well, you've uh, well, you've actually seen it happen quite a long time. I, I, on J, GWS, to me, this is not about tactics or per- – well, personnel is important, of course, because Parrish and McGraw make a difference, particularly if Caldwell and Shield don't get up. Um, uh the, the home team get Coniglio back. They should look at Riccardi to give them an option up forward so they can keep Himmelberg at centre-half back. So um, I'm thinking that uh, the settled combination with the better mindset, despite the fact that I'm expecting a pretty physical response from the Giants, Essendon's record's pretty good up there. I'm, I'm going for Essendon by 17 points. All right, the record isn't that good up there, but no, uh, no, uh, no. So losing by two points to a very strong goal, uh, GWS isn't a good record. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All I'm right. saying margins. Yep, and, and this is when the GWS was a very strong side. So I'm saying their margin. Okay, their margins. Anyway, all right. So Essendon seventeen points, right? That's your. I think so. Okay, far more settled. All right, I'm going for Essendon by twenty-two points. All right. Wow. Let's talk about the Twilight game. Well, big stakes attached to this game, the Saturday Twilight game at Marvel Stadium, 4.35 p.m. Saturday afternoon. Palmerbet offers you tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. They have the Doggies, the home team, understandably favourite, paying $1.52 head-to-head against the Dockers. Uh, upon whom you can get $2.55 to beat the Bulldogs head-to-head. The Bulldogs sitting in 10th spot uh, with a 10-9 record. And, uh, well, they've won two, lost two, won two, uh, lost last week. 
Fremantle, sixth on the ladder now. Their record is 12 wins, six losses, and a draw. Uh, Fremantle on the Bulldogs, how does that look? Well, uh, the Doggies, uh, sorry, Frio won eight of nine against the Dogs from 2012 to 19, but have lost the last three. And uh, Fremantle at Marvel Stadium, they lost seven games in a row there between 2018 and last year, but they've been pretty handy there this year. In fact, since then, uh, late in 2021, they've won three, drawn another one, and lost just the one. So they don't mind this venue. Um, Things starting to look a bit ordinary for the Dockers, and the Doggies, of course, have to win to get in the finals. How are you seeing this one? Well, I think we've got a a healthy list with Fremantle. That's only important. I know five's out, Swiss. Swikowski's out. Um, so they've got a healthy list, and I do actually agree with you. I like their form at this ground. I think um, this is such a hard game to pick, uh, starting in the ruck with Darcy versus English. That'll be good. Last week we saw the failure of the two key forwards from both sides. So it's going to be interesting how they respond. Norton and Bruce didn't kick a goal, and I don't think Lobb and Tabiner were too far behind them, Rowan. Um I'm suggesting that Beveridge, as he as is his want and his theme, I think he's going to go with Sam Darcy in his first game at home, and I think it'll be to replace Josh Bruce. Nothing against Josh Bruce. I don't. We spoke about this last week. I don't think he's got his spring back with that knee, his agility, or mainly his confidence. So I'm saying that. Um, I'm suggesting that I think Sam Darcy, who's been, I think they said in one of the articles I read, knocking the door down in the VFL, may get an opportunity to play alongside Norton. Yeah, well, that would be interesting. Uh, The other important potential uh, inclusion for the Doggies, and they'd need him, I reckon, up against uh, some of the Frio midfielders, Adam Trelaw. Um, he missed that game against Geelong last week and was sorely missed from their midfield. He's had a calf injury, so fingers crossed that he can get back. Something about the Bulldogs playing at Marvel Stadium, which always uh, makes me think they're a, a couple of goals better proposition. They just play the ground well. They seem to generate more run coming off half back. Um, uh, probably can give uh, Norton and the other forwards a few more opportunities with quick uh, delivery coming into that inside 50. Um, look, Frio have, have played well there and we they uh, certainly haven't wanted for opportunity to play on that ground. We saw the draw against Richmond only uh, a couple of weeks ago. So they, uh, they you know, familiarity isn't an issue there. Uh, just starting to slip away from the Dockers a bit. I've I've had my doubts about them most of this season. I'm just not sure if they're quite good enough. And I think the Doggies have a a knack of being able to click when they need to. And uh, they've had some pretty decent form towards the end of the season. They got found out last week. I think there's a real gap between them and Geelong, and that will be a bit sobering. But uh, Fremantle... Definitely not as potent a, a proposition as Geelong at Geelong is. So uh, I reckon the doggies can grab this one. What, what are you thinking? Uh, a couple of interesting ones first, mate. Uh, Brayshaw versus Liberatory is going to be important. Do they bring back Jurea? Uh, do they bring back Alex Keith? 
because of the height of Lobb and Taberner and also Darcy if he goes forward. And, of course, will they play Darcy? I'm with you. I think for some – well, it's a home ground. I think they play it better. And we saw Melbourne put amazing pressure on Fremantle last week. I don't think Western Bulldogs have got that in their artillery, but they can play good, strong, contested football at this ground. And for that reason, I'm thinking the Western Bulldogs will just get over Fremantle by uh, 15 points. 15 points for you. Uh, I'm thinking that they are good enough to get the points. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of thinking around your type of margin as well. A couple of goals. I might subtract a few points and uh, give Frio <laughs> another half a goal. I'm going for West Bulldogs to win this one by 12 points. All right, that is uh, Saturday Twilight. Let's talk about Saturday evening. Well, we talked about Geelong making short work of the Bulldogs last week and they get a second consecutive game at the Cattery this week, Saturday evening, 7.25, GMHBA Stadium, up against St Kilda. Palmerbet offers you tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Uh, they have Geelong as very warm favourites, $1.14 head-to-head, and St Kilda, $5.80. Geelong. Sitting uh, on top of the ladder, 15 and four. They've won 10 games in a row now, along with Collingwood, the longest winning streak at the moment. St Kilda, uh, back in the eight. They're in eighth spot with an 11 8 record, and they've won three of their last five games now after some pretty ordinary form mid season. Uh, what about the Saints against Geelong? Well, St Kilda only won one of their previous 13 games against Geelong until earlier this season. That was uh, the game at Marvel Stadium in round nine when they beat Geelong in a pretty high-quality contest by 10 points. Pretty different beating them at Marvel Stadium uh, as against Cadenia Park, though. What's their record like at Cadenia Park? Well, like everyone else, it's crap. They've lost their last 10 games there. Their last win there was back in 1999, so literally last century. And they've only won two of their last 19 games there in a run stretching back to 1989, which is now, believe it or not, 33 years ago. You read out 1989, and it doesn't feel like that long ago to me, but it is, in fact, 33 years ago. That's uh, not uh, something to recommend a visitor at Geelong, but you say that every time someone plays down there, it is such a huge advantage for the Cats. What do you reckon about this one? Well, I think there's real problems here. Uh, firstly, well done to Dan Hanabry. Um, the question was raised, A, on the selection, B, on the length of contract. So he copped a bit of a hammering last week and whether they brought him back quickly. We actually talked about that we thought it would slow their side down uh, he had a very solid game, Rowan, but it'd be very interesting to see, uh, given his body, how he backs up and then performs down on this ground. A couple of things, obviously, in Cat's favour, well, not a couple of things, one of the major things is the form they're in and the fact they've got, look, it, it mightn't seem a lot, but if you train there all week and then you get up Friday morning and say, we don't have to travel, we've got another home game, gee, this is a great preparation for Geelong going into the uh, into the season. Um, 
Oh, they're going to lose Rowan with concussion, but what a play to come back. They get they get Duck Tui or or Young Parfit to come back into the side. So they're blessed with riches. Uh, the Saints are considering Dougal Howard. Uh, Wilkie will probably get the job on Hawkins, so can Howard come into that side and run around with um, the mobile Cameron? Uh, Marcus Windhager, he's been really fantastic. They've found a role and they've added to their depth in the midfield. But my question is, who does he go to? Given the fact that it's highly likely that with Geelong's flexibility, Selwood and Dangefield won't even start in the centre square, Rowan. Yeah, well, uh, you mentioned Brandon Parfit. He was the medical sub last week, of course, came on when Gary Rowan uh, was concussed. And I did say this. Uh, I, I think Parfit's an important player for them. They just they need uh, zip and they need uh, pace and they need uh, younger legs. And I think he really offers them something different. So uh, I think he is definitely in their best 22. So good opportunity for him to shore up that place. Sam Menegol is an interesting one. He's... Had some uh, woes, hasn't he? He, was, he had the concussion protocols and he had knee soreness and that kept him out last week. The other interesting one with them is uh, the Ruck, Stanley, not ruled out yet after being injured against Port Adelaide a couple of weeks ago, but Segler came in last week. It's a, a reasonable backup for them after uh, he missed a large chunk of the season with injury. So uh, personnel uh, looking pretty good for the Cats, not so the Saints who... I reckon they need their more brilliant players all playing uh, to make them more than just a, uh, you know, hesitate to use the word pedestrian, but I think they can look a bit pedestrian. And uh, Paddy Ryder is such a barometer for them, and he's done. Uh, Jay Gresham now, I think in, in, this is what I'm alluding to. Gresham is a yeah. brilliant player. They don't have him. In fact, they won't have him for the rest of the season. He requires a uh, PCL surgery so uh won't even uh, get on a training track for about five months which is unfortunate but um missing a couple of real barometers for them hard enough to win down at Geelong anyway uh I know they need to win to keep that spot in the eight but I, I just can't see it I think the cats are in rare form and uh just building beautifully towards uh well it's looking more and more like this is their year I reckon the Cats get the job done pretty comfortably in this one. I'm going for Geelong by 32 points. Yeah, just quickly, Rowan, just backing up, we just said Zach Tui to come in, Parfit to come in, men and goalers there. So uh, selection is uh, really tightening up uh, down at Corio Bay. They're rested, they're fresh, they've got selection depth. You've highlighted St Kilda's issues. Um, and as good as the Saints were last week in um, really ambushing Hawthorne, I can't see them uh, being fresh enough, being good enough to challenge the Cats who are playing back-to-back games down there. And I've got the Cats by over five goals for mine, 33 points. Very similar margins. All right, uh, let's head to Adelaide for the second of the two Saturday night games. Port Adelaide takes on Richmond at Adelaide Oval and the start time, Eastern Standard Time, is 7.40pm. Palmerbet give you tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, Port Adelaide, favourite for this one, $1.58 the power. Richmond, $2.40. Well, uh, the finals hunt is over for the power. They're 12th on the ladder, eight wins, 11 losses, and they've lost three in a row now. 
uh, won only two of their last, sorry, they have won only two of nine games they've been involved in this season, which were decided by 12 points or less. So sort of like an inverse Collingwood. Uh, lost three in a row, but they've been pretty narrow losses. They've certainly uh, not wanted for effort. Now, Richmond, a crucial win, a comeback win over Brisbane last week, 42 points down at one stage, the Tigers. They are ninth on the ladder with 10 wins, eight losses and a draw. They've won four of their last six games against Port Adelaide. Uh, how are they performing at Adelaide Oval generally? Well, they have won six and lost 10, only won two of their last six. They did uh, very notably win a preliminary final there, of course, on their way to the 2020 flag. Uh, massive win for the Tigers last week. Uh, personnel issues for both, but I'll just get your initial thoughts on this one. Uh, well, my initial thoughts are around those injuries, Rowan. Um, Port have made a statement. Uh, they've made it very clear through uh, club great Chad Corns that um, they're right in it to embrace the last three games. They're not resting players. They play to win. They're trying to win. They acknowledge their average season. Um, they've got a few players to assess in both Burn Jones and and Dan Houston. Um, look, the, the football romantic and me, uh, an, an independent observer wants the Tigers to get up here. I'd love to see Richmond, Collingwood, and Carlton in the bottom half of the uh, of the the draw for the finals. I thought I think that'd be outstanding. But um, gee, I'm trying to find a way for Richmond to win this game. Grimes Grimes is considerable that loss again, and that'll be a four to five week hamstring. You throw in Dustin Martin, who might get to the line in the last game before the finals. And, and it means that they've got to bring Gibkus or they've got to adjust with Bolter because up front, Dixon, Marshall, Georgiades and Finlayson will um, will prove a, a, a considerable hurdle for them. Yeah, look, Grimes is a significant out. There's no doubt about that. It's interesting with Dusty Martin, though, and obviously, you know, he's such a great player and you'd much rather have him in the lineup than not. But... Uh, I think they've managed to plug away without him and they've become better at playing without him, I think, just finding other ways. And uh, I think other players have risen to the challenge. They've certainly found a ripper in Noah Cumberland. How good has he been since coming into that side? Five goals last week. He's got spark. He's got excitement. Um, so I think he offers them something. And and don't forget, you know, they conjure a couple of goals out of Dusty. So perhaps Cumberland has filled that breach to an extent. Um, Grimes, certainly uh, his absence leaves them undermanned against the tall marking forwards. They are getting plenty of run off their uh, half-back line, though. Daniel Rioli is a ripper for them in that role, I reckon, um, and he's been important for them. I don't know. I, look, I, I'm I'm a big Richmond fan. I'm, I'm such an admirer yeah. of, of their last five years, mm. and I've got faith in them to win these games where they're up against it. Uh, yeah, and again, I've got, Grimes is a big out, but I, don't, I think they're more than uh, tipping against them just for the absence of one key player. And I'd be a little bit worried about the fact that uh, finals are off the table for Port now. It's one thing to say we're going to really continue to give effort, but just subconsciously 
will players go quite as hard knowing that uh, it's pretty much all for nothing over the last three weeks. Richmond, on the other hand, have heaps to play for. So uh, I reckon, yeah, look, this is going to be tight, but I reckon Richmond can get the job done here. And uh, I'm confident Richmond is going to end up playing finals. In fact, I did my ladder predictor the other day and had him finishing seventh. I think this will be a win for them. Uh, not by a lot, but by enough. I'm going to go for the Tigers to just scrape over the line in this game by four points. Hmm. I wish I could say the same thing, but I think the uh, the forward line of Port Adelaide, uh, the exciting form of the likes of Butters and Rosie uh, has been very good. I, I acknowledge that I'd like to get both Burn Jones and Houston into that side, particularly Dan Houston into that middle. Gives them a really nice balance. So um, uh, the heart is hoping for the Richmond for what I said, and the same as you. I want them in there. I think it's important. But uh, Port can't make it. I just got a feeling. Oh, what did you say? Richmond by what? Right? Four points. Yeah, well, I'll go Port Adelaide by five points in a toss of the coin. Okay. Uh, hopefully it will be a thriller. Whoever wins. All right, uh, that are the five games on Saturday previewed. Let's talk about the three on Sunday. Sunday kicks off with a 1-10 game at Marvel Stadium and it sees North Melbourne up against Sydney. Uh, Well, there's one team faring pretty well and one team not faring too well at all. And that is reflected in the odds from Palmerbet where you can get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. The Swans in head-to-head betting, hot favourite, as you'd expect, $1.07 Palmerbet offering on the Swans. And uh, if you fancy a bit of a long shot, uh, North Melbourne offering $8.50. Well, they're last on the ladder for a reason, the Roos. Two wins, 17 losses. I was looking up their percentage, Robert. Their percentage currently is 54.9. The lowest percentage we've seen since Melbourne and GWS in 2013. They were both around the low 50s. Uh, Of course, still three games left, but uh, that's an indicator of how poor a season the Roos have had, unfortunately. Sydney, in contrast, they are flying. Top four at the moment. They're fourth on the ladder. 13 wins and six losses, and they've now won seven of their last nine games, the Swannies. Uh, Sydney v North Melbourne, how's that been in recent times? Well, the Swans have won the last five clashes with the Roos and eight of the last nine. The big if for the Swans here might be the venue because they've only played at Marvel twice this year and lost both of them. Uh, to Western Bulldogs, uh, round three, I think that was. Pretty high-quality game. They also lost to Carlton, and, in fact, that one was round 10. So a fair while ago, but zero and two this season at Marvel Stadium. The Swans, surely, though, Robert, surely they break the Marvel Stadium duck for 2022 in this one against the bottom team on the ladder. Well, the only positive for, or not the only positive, that's a very unfair statement by me. North do have their best performance this year against Sydney in Sydney, of course, uh, where they were as played as well as they possibly uh, could. They were terrific. That's not going to happen. I, I, I got a gut feeling, this is no disrespect, because remember, Rowan, we're three weeks out of the finals. They've got a 30, what, 
five-year-old centre-half forward in Lance Franklin. Um, I don't think Lance will make the trip. That's just a gut feeling. Uh, freshen him up this game. Uh, have a look at another player in that role, given they've got they've got Reed down there, they've got Heaney down there, they've got Parker, they've got the effervescent uh, Papley, and that's been a really good move for them to put him in the midfield. Yeah, it has. Uh, just one actually interesting selection poser for them, as well as Buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Adams expected to be fit after that thumb injury, so you've got mm. him fit, you've got Hickey back in the side, and you've got Sam Reid, who's been going pretty well on the ruck. What are they going to do with the ruck, do you reckon? I think they'll leave it for a while. Uh, they'll give, I think they'll give Laddams a hit out in the uh, the VFL competition. I'd like to see them go with the mobility of Hickey. Um, he's been really good. And, of course, Reid uh, has somewhat resurrected his career, given it's been a history. So it's going to be interesting. I'm not sure if Franklin plays, I'm not sure who they will play on him because he'll be up around the ground, mobile. Mackay prefers to play out of the goal square, so his matchup would probably be with Reed. And up the other end of the ground, Zerha has been terrific, you know, a shining light last week in a disappointing performance against Essendon, but he needs Larky to come to the party. Larky to come to the party to uh, to give him some support against the McCartan brothers. You enjoyed saying that, Larky and party, in the same yeah, breath, I'll, didn't you? Uh, yeah. We should mention Ben Cunnington because uh, he has done it incredibly tough, of course, with testicular cancer and uh, such a a warrior and a great leader for North. And, and just more recently, he's had uh, the old health and safety protocols, but uh, some suggestion he could be uh, right to go. Um, you'd bring him straight in, wouldn't you? You wouldn't play him in the VFL, would you? Um, well, hang on. Adams has come out. I think Rowan said he'll play a half in the VFL. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, Sorry, I, I wasn't think, aware of that. No, I've... I read that somewhere. I might have just read that in the notes just before we went on air. Um, so it appears the VFL, he's headed for the VFL. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure what harm it would do given North's year to have a an experienced bloke as the 22nd man coming in on this game. The the the, the, the dual two of the, the real young guns of the competition, the emerging stars of the midfield in Davies Uniac and Chad Warner will go head-to-head, Rowan. So I, uh, I'm i looking forward to that one. But if you want a tip, I, I, I keep the same theme. How how do, how do North combat the mobility of Haywood and Warner and uh, Heaney rotating through the forward line? The pace of uh, Papley is going to really concern them up forward, and uh, that's why I think they'll take the opportunity to give Lance a rest. I think it's perfect timing because they'll, he'll come back in with two weeks before the finals, cherry ripe. Uh, look, uh, Goldstein's going to give them an advantage in the ruck, I think. And don't forget, North were terrific in the centre clearances. But for me, Sydney by 41 points down well, here at Marvel. Well, isn't it? I didn't check what your margin was going to be, but I'm thinking very, very similarly. I'm going for Sydney by 42 points. Uh, very comfortable win. All right, uh, that one at Marvel Stadium. Uh, let's head up to sunny Queensland. 3.20 Sunday afternoon at the Gabba sees Brisbane up against Carlton. Palmer Bet 
You get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season thanks to Palmavet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Brisbane at home, uh, the Fortress uh, offering $1.45 head-to-head. Carlton, $2.78. Brisbane have slipped to fifth on the ladder, 13-6 after that uh, costly uh, demise against Richmond at the MCG last week. Carlton are paying $2.78. Uh, sorry, I said that before, didn't I? <laughs> Carlton are seventh with a 12-7 record. They've lost five of their last six games against Brisbane. How do they go at the Gabba? Well, they've won nine, lost 16. They've been pretty ordinary of late too. They've lost eight of their last nine appearances. At the Gabba, where Brisbane, uh, now I did write this the other day, so I should remember it. I think Brisbane have won 33 of 36 home and away games at the Gabba. Not so good in finals, of course, but that's another issue. This isn't a final. Uh, Two sides uh, who need to win badly their positions in the eight looking pretty precarious. In fact, the Blues... Unless they can win at least one of their last three games, they are in serious danger of missing the eight altogether. Do you give them a chance here, Robert? Well, I'd like to for the reasons uh, for the old uh, heart picking over the head. But uh, gee, they've got Kennedy, Newman, Durden's out, and 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 they're probably their most important player over the year for consistency. Hewitt is still carrying that back injury, Rowan. Look, they've got. They've got depth on paper. They've got they can give Paddy Dow another go. I don't know why he hasn't made it. That kid, Marchbank, Fogarty, and of course Silvani gets an opportunity to uh, make a statement about last week's selection. I thought they made a mistake. I thought they went too top heavy. They rushed Pitney back. I thought De Conning has been exciting, athletic, Carl Dittrich like in the ruck, uh, and um, they became a slow side, Rowan. So uh, I think they've got not only injury problems, but they've also got balance. And the main area they've got to fix is these small forwards. I hope they bring Jack Martin in. I'd like to see him bring Fogarty into that side and have a real restructure of that half-forward line because Brisbane, they're going to get Stasevich and Rich back. They're two prominent and key half-back flankers. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. Just quickly on the Blues, they were 8-2 after 10 rounds. And... Since then, it hasn't been like a complete cave-in. They've they've just gone win-loss, win-loss since then. No doubt, though, the Adelaide one was their most disappointing performance of the season. They they did lose that game to St Kilda a bit earlier, but they weren't too bad that evening. But that the Adelaide game, poor. No, and, and it was back to, I, I think the bad, worst sign of that for them was the fact that Cripps and Walsh had, what, 80-plus disposals between yeah. them. And yet they got uh, they got smashed. That's not a good sign. Now Brisbane uh, personnel is uh, significant here, and the most significant is um, the potential uh, return of Daniel Rich, who just has mm. to tick off the final stages of his uh, concussion protocol. So he's expected back, and just generating that drive and that beautiful, precise, long kicking off half back is so important to them. Uh, the other one is Stasevich. He's got a, a bit of a test on a, a quad, but is expected to play. Um, Zach Bailey is an interesting one. He had that nasty sternum injury and was coughing up blood 
against Richmond was uh, subbed out of the game. But uh, they're saying he could be a chance still, despite that sternum injury. Gee, I'd be surprised. You reckon he'd be more cautious than not. Uh, Jared Berry, uh, ankle injury, looking proppy. Uh, they're still saying he's some sort of chance. But I like the in of Rich. I think that's really significant for them. More importantly, I like the fact that it's at the Gabba. That is a phenomenal yeah, record there. Probably second only to Geelong in terms of uh, home ground advantage at the moment anyway. And the Blues, yeah, look, I'm like you. I, I really admire what they've done. I admire Michael Voss's coaching efforts this year. Uh, and I think they deserve to play finals, but it's geez, it's going to be tough for them if they can't snag either this one or the last two games, and they're against Melbourne and Collingwood. So it's a hellishly difficult uh, run home for the Blues. If they do make it, like I said at the top of the show, they will have earned it if they can uh, win at least one yeah. of those games and play finals. I don't reckon they're going to do it this week, though. I'm going for Brisbane, who need to win to hopefully for them clamber back into that top four I'm going for Brisbane by 20 points. Yeah, key players out for me. It's a patched-up side, unfortunately, for the Blues. That's the way it goes, though. Kennedy and uh, Hewitt and Newman are really important to them. They're going to have reasonable depth to get back into the side. I've, I've spoken about the, the balance of their big men against a real running side up there. Brisbane disappointing last year. Back in their comfort zone, which actually says quite a lot about them, Rowan. Um, I think they're going to get over the line, but not without a, a, a mighty performance by of effort by Carlton, but not quite good enough. Uh, about 17 points for Brisbane for me. Showed um, over a couple of goals, yeah. About 17 points or 17 points? Uh, round about, so between 15 <laughs> and 18. Hang on, 15, 16, yeah. I want a definite margin, Robert. Come on. Uh, Just give us 15, a margin, will you? 15 points, the Lions. Okay, 15 points. Uh, All right. Brisbane, 20 points for me. All right. Final game of the round. Let's talk about it. West Coast takes on Adelaide at Optus Stadium in Perth, 4.10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2.10 in Perth. So an afternoon game over there and uh, significant uh, if for nothing else other than a big farewell to Josh Kennedy. And I'm sure they'll give him a, uh, a very moving send-off uh, by way of some sort of uh, ceremony after the game. Palmer, what are they saying about the actual game? Well, uh, you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season thanks to Palmer. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, they have the Crows as favourite here after a good win last week against the Blues, paying $1.80. West Coast paying $2. Second last on the ladder, the Eagles, two wins, 17 losses. They have definitely improved, though, over the last uh, seven or eight weeks, and they've been reducing the size of those losing margins significantly. Adelaide, 15th on the ladder, just six wins this season, 13 losses, but good win over the Blues last week. Uh, Adelaide West Coast, how does that look? Well, uh, the Crows beat the Eagles in round 12. They had lost their last five clashes with the Eagles prior to that, though. Their record at Optus Stadium is pretty miserable, too. In fact, they haven't broken their duck there yet. They've only played there three times, but have lost all three of those games. 
Uh, Josh Kennedy's last game, Robert, can they do it for the bearded goal-kicking veteran? Well, they must have known, Ron, because they managed him last week so that they uh, would play him in his home game. So, look, um, I've tried everything over my career with motivating in milestone games, and I reckon I'm running at about 20% success rate. Oh, really? Um, Oh, mate, it, 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 it rarely works, Ron. But in this case, I think it will. I think is there a much-loved player as Josh Kennedy, what he's done for that club? We spoke about it in news. And I think it, it, it's a big factor here. Given that, Crows were impressive. They were, they were physical. They found a really good defender in Josh Worrell. And now they've got to make the decision whether they bring Tom Doty back. I'm not sure about that because Worrell was great. Um, Josh Rochelle got out of the blocks, didn't he? He got out of the blocks in the season and at one stage was, uh, yes, he was. One stage he was the uh, favourite for the rising star, but because of injury in form, he's dropped off. But um, they'd like to get him back into the last uh, three or four games. And, of course, their forward, Rolly Thilthorpe, is available, which um, gives them a look at Fogarty, Walker, Thilthorpe, and uh, they've also got Himmelberg. So they're at quite a settled side going over against the Eagles. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how this is going to pan out. What are your thoughts, mate? Well, I, I think that the Crows' best is impressive, and we've seen it mm. on a number of occasions this year, and they were really good last week. However, they can look terrible. And, um, you know, the week before that, they looked bloody awful against Hawthorne. Um I reckon the Eagles haven't been too bad. I mean, you know, another 30 seconds or so and they might have beaten Gold Coast at Metricon, which these days is a pretty handy uh, result. They have been consistently competitive at least over the last month and a half or so. And I think, yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a more of a believer in milestones. I I think this one is pretty important for them. And, uh, you know, in front of the home crowd, I think Kennedy will be fired up. I think they're, you know, pretty sick of losing week in, week out and went very close last week. Just got a, a hunch that this is the one where they deliver for their uh, magnificent retiring full forward and give the home fans a bit of payback for having hung tough with them all season. going to be really interesting to see First, what they do with their list at the end of this season and then how they perform because uh, I'm not sure it's the young guys who've been making them better. I think it's been the old blokes who have rallied a bit. So will they sort of go around with them again? Anyway, we wait and see, but we know that one person who won't be going around again is Josh Kennedy. I'd love to see him kick a bag in this game just to uh, give the fans uh, something and uh, they would love to see that, of course. But I'm going for, uh, is it an upset? Yeah, it is an upset. Uh, Not a big upset. I'm going for West Coast to win this one at home and deliver for the bearded veteran. I'm going for West Coast to win this game by two points, Robert. I do apologise about my negative, but I have been burnt in the mid mid, uh, 90s run where a a glowing presentation for two of the greats of South Australian football in Chris McDermott and Tony McGuinness, two great mates from Glenelg, coincided with their 200th game each. 
Yeah. So a, a magnificent video presentation. Right, three hours later, Essendon beat them by 120 points. Is that right? MCG. Yeah. So is that um, 95 or 96? I'm not sure. I think it might have been 95. I was going to say it scarred them so badly that as soon as Whitey came over, he retired both of them. (laughs) It scarred me, so I'm forgetting about milestones. But uh, for Josh Kennedy's sake, I hope they can get up. It's not going to make much difference. Uh, The Crows are in the better form. Can they carry that on the plane? Too important for the West Coast Eagles. You can't let this bloke retire with a loss in front of the home faithful, Rowan. West Coast Eagles by 11 points. 11 points. All right. So we differ, just having a quick look, we differ on two, only two games this week. So you can narrow that margin from, uh, what, 26 to about, no, I'm just kidding. I think it's about, I think it's about 13. But anyway, you can narrow it a bit. All right. That is uh, the round signed off in terms of previews. Hope uh, you got some info there. will help your tipping or at least give your team uh, a bit of hope. We are here every week for Palmer Bet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Uh, we're really appreciative of their support. Always remember to gamble responsibly, of course. Uh, if you like our podcast, you can uh, support us financially at the ACAST supporter page, and there'll be a link there in the show description wherever you listen to us. You can become a Footyology patron via the links on the Footyology website to Patreon, a wonderful supporter of uh, independent uh, writing, journalism, and publishing. Uh, we, I'm going to say we will be back on Sunday with the review of round 21, but Robert, yeah, we will be. Yeah. Well, we will no, be. I've got a, what? well, I've got a bit of news for you. I'm, oh, no. I'm just having a short sabbatical. I am in fact, uh, I'm getting away for a few days. I'm going to Bali. Don't hit me. I'm not trying to leave you in the lurch, but it's been a real hard few months and I just had the opportunity to sneak away just for a little freshen up exercise before we play finals. Like that time Dane Swan went to the US before Collingwood's finals. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Don't forget to wipe your feet when you come oh, back no, in no, from no. the airport. Yeah, I've done all those jokes. Uh, not, not taking valuable footwear with me. But anyway. So who uh, do I have to carry? Who do uh, I have to carry? Uh, you have to carry, or vice versa, Ronnie Lerner. Uh, the very adept and uh, multi-talented Ronnie Werner is just working for an absolute cavalcade of media organisations these days. I can't keep up, but he is one of Footyology's own and he will do a very capable job in my absence. That is the Sunday review and next week's preview editions. I, as Douglas MacArthur said though, Robert, (laughs) I shall return and uh, we will pick things up Uh, in about a week's time. So uh, good luck for everyone for the weekend and uh, make sure you tune in for the Round 21 review with the wonderful Mr. Ronnie Lerner and Mr. Robert Shaw to take you through every game of the round. Uh, Thanks, everyone, and uh, catch you later. 